Welcome to the Breaking Into Star Wars podcast, where we feature stories of people from non-traditional backgrounds who broke into tech. For most people, a job provides a level of stability. However, that same feeling of stability could be an enemy that keeps us in our comfort zone. When people get fired or laid off, they lose that sense of certainty. They are forced to step out of their comfort zone and explore new opportunities. In our chat on today's episode with Charles Spurgeon, he discusses how losing his job at Living Social was the biggest catalyst that led him to where he is today. Charles moved out to the Bay Area from Maryland with a single suitcase and no job. Over the years, he has worked as an account manager for several tech companies, including Salesforce and Logly. Charles is also the founder of BPN, the Black Professional Network, a platform empowering young black professionals, both personally and professionally, through valuable networking, community involvement, and development opportunities. This month, BPN is partnering up with Black Enterprise and breaking into startups to host an event celebrating the Black History Month on February 23rd. If you're in San Francisco and you're listening to this, get your tickets to the event by clicking on the link in the show notes. Also, shout out to Black Enterprise for helping to provide media coverage and stay tuned for their Tech Connect Summit coming up in a few months. I hope you enjoy this and let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Archer and Timor Meister. And this is the Breaking Into Starters podcast. Archer, please tell the people what we're doing today. Great. So we're out here in uh, downtown San Francisco. It's Pride weekend, so it's pretty crazy outside. A lot of people are celebrating. Um, but we're out here uh, recording a podcast because we want you guys to hear this awesome story, this awesome guest we have today. Timor, tell us who we have. Yeah, so today we have a, a very special guest, um, Charles Pridgen. He's actually a very close friend, friend of ours, but he also has an amazing story. Charles grew up in Baltimore. He majored in international business and finance. He worked at Living Social, Salesforce. He's working at a startup called Logly right now, and he'll tell you a little bit more about it. And on top of it, he's also an organizer over Black Professionals Network called BPN. So Charles, do you want to take a second to tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely, fellas. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a pleasure. So me, I, you know, I'm a young go-getter uh, out here in the Bay Area. You know, for me at a very young age, you know, I was taught and distilled to work hard and have very strong work ethics. I start working at the, as, as soon as I could at 14, I had the option to work at a bike shop, right? Work at a bike shop or work at, work at McDonald's. And I said, mom, I'm not built for McDonald's. So I decided <laughs> not knowing anything about bikes to work at a bike shop. And I worked there for about 10 years. And that's a skill a lot of people don't know, don't know about me, but mm-hmm know a lot about bikes, know how to fix bikes, you name it, we can have that <laughs> conversation all day long. But a little bit about me, it's just from Baltimore, grew born and raised, is where all my family is, majored in international business and finance here and now and trying to make it happen. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your college experience and kind of what you studied and what you do before you launch into the sales career. Absolutely. So I went to a small school in Maryland. For me, it was, I wanted to be Further, further enough away from my family where I could feel like I have independence, but close enough where I can go get a home-cooked meal or do laundry mm-hmm. if I needed to. So 
It was about two hours away from my hometown. So I was deciding, I was trying to figure out while I was in college, what did I want to major in? And for me, just taking a step back and looking at the holistic landscape, it was like, okay, learning or knowing how to manage your investments, knowing how to make money, how to manage money would give me a great foundation. So I decided to major in finance. At the time, I had a strong interest in wanting to travel and learning about international markets. So decided to also dual major in international business. So that's where I went to school there. I was actually, a lot of people don't know this about me, but after my, my second year in college, I decided to become an, an RA, a resident assistant. <laughs> and uh, I, that would actually shape a lot of my, my entire you know college career very, very drastically um, as I was an RA for about three, four years. So. Wow. Just you can just imagine the college experience, just having to, you know, manage yourself along with 500 other, you know, freshman college students, their parents, their mm-hmm. grandparents, their aunties, their uncles, and uh, it was a great experience. But just taught me very, very early on how to manage relationships and different personalities, right? And kind of whether anything that kind of comes to you, you can imagine different scenarios that happens in that space. It was from dealing with kids that were suicidal to dealing with kids with drug overdoses. So it just really helped kind of mold and structure, you know, me in terms of dealing with different personalities, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you you were in school on a scholarship, right? And that that helped whet your appetite for traveling. Absolutely. So I'd actually applied for a scholarship called the the Gilman Scholars. And um, it hadn't been won at my school. But, you know, for me, it's like, you ask yourself, what are you going to do again, if you hear no? And the answer to that is, you're going to keep going until you get your guess. And for me, that was a big motto for me. So my family, you know, we didn't have the finances to be able to send me abroad. You know, a lot of the college days, I, I was going to have to foot myself. I knew that, right? So the only way I was going to get to travel was going to be through a scholarship. So I applied to the scholarship randomly and thank to God I won. I, I got it. Got an email. It was the happiest day of my life. And it was kind of surreal. Charles Pridgen, we're going to give you $15,000 to travel to Ecuador for six months, study international business. And you know, essentially study Spanish as well, right? So, so to answer your question, yes, it was a great opportunity. And afterwards, I was like, let's do this again. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you graduated, you know, started thinking about leaving. You started working in finance and then like kind of what led you to transition to get into tech in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So, so for me, it's like, you know, after I graduated, I got a role at a company called FINRA, the Financial Regulatory Authority. So, had the opportunity to kind of see the entire landscape, the entire environment. And when you look at the finance industry, it's very old. It's very white. It's an environment that I didn't see myself quite fitting into. There's not much innovation there. You know, you, you don't have the ability to collaborate, you know, meet with other people that are doing some, you know, other great things that work on a common goal, right? You're basically just trading other rich people's money, right? So it's, it was great. I was a you know poor kid coming out of college, and I'm trading millions of dollars through my you know my fingers, and I'm just sitting here like, wait, you know, this just didn't seem right. So for me, it's like I uh, love challenging myself, right? And I saw the tech space one that was always always intrigued me, right? Because I mean that's something that we do every we involve ourselves in every day. It's the foundation of a lot of what we do, right? So I, at the time, Living Social was in D.C. and it was one of the biggest startups that. We're, was on the East Coast at the time. So I decided to, you know, network and got in contact with the head HR director there through LinkedIn. And so you cold emailed him? Cold emailed him, right? So just basically, and it wasn't like, 
it's getting to know someone more, right? Bringing value, being curious, always being curious about what they're doing, how they're going to market, you know, some of the challenges they're currently facing. So when I cold emailed them through LinkedIn, it wasn't like, okay, hey, I'm looking for a job. It's like, want to learn a bit more about how they were hoping to take market share away from Groupon. You know, what are mm-hmm. you, you know, what are the segments say? So basically adding value to the conversation versus taking away, you know, what can you do for me versus, okay, let's have a com- real conversation about what you guys are currently doing now, congratulating them on any success that they might've had. And then that sparks a conversation to get going. And then after a few exchanges of emails back and forth, they invited me to come on site to interview. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And the rest was history. It was in the bag. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. And so, so that was the first job that you applied to, or did you send out applications to a bunch of different jobs outside so, of the So finance? at that point, no, that was my first exposure to the tech industry. It just was a company that I was really intrigued with. I, I liked what they were doing. I thought there was a lot of growth opportunity there. So that was it. It was just. Yeah, that's an amazing story. So then um, you ended up moving out to the West Coast. So tell us a little bit about what sparked your transition. And why did you even pick going to the West Coast when your whole family lives on the East Coast? Yeah, yeah. so just to take a step back. So I was able to land that job at Living Social and was there for about a year and a half. Great opportunity. That was my first exposure in the startup space. And what you saw was, you know, you have to be very flexible and very be able to adapt to change, which I've learned there. There were things, policies that were change every day. Your job roles might not be the same. So some of the, the responsibilities that you might have one day might not be the same the next day. But I, I love the collaborative piece about working in a startup and working towards a common goal, which was to, you know, obviously grow the company. Unfortunately, about after about a year and a half of being at Living Social, market share and revenues kind of started drying up and Literally, about, after about a year and a half, they rounded about 700 people up in one auditorium and uh, basically laid us all off. It was a mass slaughtering. Wow. <laughs> um, I had never in my life been a part of anything like that. You literally seen everyone just break down. Girls, grown men, boys crying. Just like It, it was just a really sad day in the space. But that kind of sparked me to look elsewhere. Look, you know, It's like, okay, Charles, you had jumped out of finance, you took a risk, right? And you're living social and now what, you know? So Yes, I mean, it's like Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, you're riding this wave and this is what I think you got to be re- resilient in the startup industry, I think is going to be very, very key, right? You're riding this wave and all of a sudden, boom, to your point, you get slapped in the face and reality hits you. It's like- He's not right-handed. You might have to fight Southpaw. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So- you know, after, you know, that, that happened, I was trying to find a new role and you had an oversaturated job market. You had 700 individuals that just got laid off that were all applying to the same jobs. So it was a very, very competitive landscape, one that wasn't very, you know, fostering of building another career in Maryland or in the D.C. area. So, yeah, that's just kind of what sparked me to come out here to uh, San Francisco. I had a buddy out here that was uh, in ad tech sales and he had raved about how he was loving San Francisco. And, you know, for me, it's like I'm at home, you know, I couldn't find a job. I had to move back in with my, my parents, my mom. I had to sell my car that I had just bought because I wasn't making any money. It was probably the most depressing time of my entire life. Humbling experience. Humbling. Absolutely. I had a girlfriend at the time, you know, and it's like we would go out to eat and she would have to foot the bill. And it's just, you know, it's, it's just a very humbling experience, as you would say. So I'm looking around at myself and I'm just like, you know, this can't be it. You know, we got to hustle. We got to do more things. And I decided at that point, I got to make a, ra- a drastic change. 
So I packed a bag, one bag, told my girlfriend at the time that I was uh, <laughs> coming out for an interview that I had lined up. I had no interviews, didn't know where I was going to go at all. <laughs> I had a buddy that I, that lived out here again and uh, told him that I had interviews lined up and I was going to come out to visit for a week. I packed as many clothes as I can in one bag, <laughs> bought a one-way ticket out to San Francisco. I got here, knocked on his door. He's looking at me. He was like, you know, wow, you're staying here for a week. That's a pretty big bag. And I'm like, you know, you're right. Just want to make sure I have, you know, nice threads, you know, good, nice some options. Long story short, it was like once I got here, I had to hustle. It was all about hustling. And I sent emails and reached out to, I'd say about, my goal was about 50 different individuals per day. Right. And, you know, breaking into startup space isn't easy or into tech isn't easy at all. So I luckily was able to interview with some of the biggest names in tech industry when I first moved out. So Dropbox, which was booming at the time, Google, Slack. And, you know, what I realized is you have to be comfortable with hearing the word no. I'd heard the word no from all three of those companies completely rejected. And but the one time I'd reached out to an individual of mine through networking that I had met at an event, a happy hour. And uh, he said, Charles, you know, I know you're struggling right now. Let's uh, see if we can't help you get into Salesforce. So, you know, we had a, hopped on a call, had a conversation, and the rest was kind of history from there. It's like, so, you know, after hearing so many no's, you know, kind of getting discouraged, being resilient and keeping that fight going, was able to land a role at Salesforce. And that uh, kind of sparked and piqued my career out here in the Bay Area. Yeah, that's amazing. And, uh, Tell us a little bit more about kind of what you did in sales, because there's a lot of technical sales and a lot of kind of areas inside sales that people may not even know about. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what was the typical like process like, who you collaborated with? Because I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more about how the sales orgs are organized. Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, aligned to our enterprise business development space. Mm -hmm. So I worked with some of our largest clients there, Coca-Cola, Delta, Ronstadt, Equifax. And essentially, my job was to work with a team cross-functionally to sell our entire suite of products. Mm -hmm. And so what you find is it's a more consultative role where you're going into these businesses and learning a bit more about their process. How do you guys go to market? How do you guys deal with customer service? How do you guys, what are you doing for marketing automation? Right. And, you know, once you identify those those challenges or gaps within, you know, their stack or their their infrastructure, Mm -hmm. you're then able to then kind of plug and see where you guys can add value. So, did well there was was uh, you know team lead after about eight months crush quota was at about one hundred and twenty five percent then I got promoted to an account executive role where mm-hmm. I managed my own book of business in Seattle. So what's the role before account executive role? Enterprise business development. So that's more like you're not really closing per se, but you have a a, a quota. In that's kind of like a SDR, the sales development representative. So we had an SDR role, right? So they're they're going to be more like lead gens, right? Got it. So. They're going to actually funnel up to me where I Got take it. that lead and I qualify it, go through the discovery process, determine if there's budget, and then I flip that to like a field representative to actually close the opportunity. That's where there's the leads in, there's the qualification process, and then there's the closers. You got it. Got it. Okay. Absolutely. So you became the closer. I became the closer. Got That's it. Awesome. Got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like to, to interview for those types of roles, what was that process like? It's um, the Interviews can be very rigorous, right? So it's it's more... Panels. So imagine walking into a room, having seven people just peering at you and poking at you and trying to find holes and gaps in your story and you having to kind of prove yourself, right? So with that being said, you just got to be very, have a good story. Is it like, sell me this pen? 
Yeah, that actually was one of the questions. That was actually one of the questions, I think, the interview questions. If you had a pen, sell, sell me on why I would buy this, right? And it's not, you're not going to sell the pen itself, right? Don't sell the pen. The fact of the matter is I was sitting there. I didn't have anything to write with. So therefore, I wasn't able to take any notes during the interview process, right? So not only selling, don't sell the product itself, sell the value. The right? pain point, right? Absolutely. And be a closer. Yeah. 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 And were, were there any online resources or people that you talked to or books that you read to help you prepare for those types of interviews? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I, I, I wanted to connect with individuals that were in the role to see a little bit more about what their experience might be. So I, I basically leveraged LinkedIn as much as possible in terms of reaching out to people in, the, in that role specifically to, you know, what are some challenges that you guys are facing? You know, where do you find success? You know, what are the kind of characteristics you think make someone successful in that role? And that kind of helped prepare me for that. I think I'm one big piece of the story that I'm, I'm missing out that I haven't touched on was my senior year after college, right? So my dad, actually, he was Superman, Superman. He never went to the doctor whatsoever, but he was very worked out every day, ran, you know, three to four miles per day, ate pretty healthy. He, you know, I got a call from my mom one day that, you know, he had been having some chest pains, stomach pains, right? And it's like, okay, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll get, he'll get over it. So long story short, he goes to the doctor. He never, never went. This is probably his first time going to the doctor in like six, seven, eight years. The doctor says, Mr. Pridgen, you have stage four rectal cancer. You have about two weeks to live. So this is a uh, huge shock to my entire family. You know, for me, it's just like, you know, damn, you know, someone that I looked at as being Superman and being the rock to our family, he's now, you know, very, very weak. So long story short, they gave him two weeks to live. You know, it's a very depressing time in my family, you know, at this time. And he goes into surgery, comes out. The first surgery is a disaster. He develops an infection that really complicated the entire process. They go back and do surgery again. And this is like a major surgery. Really. Like they're splitting your entire body in half, going in and having to cut open your organs and, you know, that, that stuff. But uh, long story short, they call him a walking miracle. Wow. I recovered. He, you know, and wow. he's wow. Uh, healthier as he's ever been. But for me, that, that was really a time in my life that just really motivated me afterwards to keep going. That you know, happened and, while you were at Salesforce? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I was just uh, no, no. That's um, that's I just that talked uh, after that happened. I just knew that anything was possible. Yep. So I can actually relate to that, and I think a lot of us can. But like a lot of people who live in the states, there's a lot of immigrants, so they come from foreign countries. They have to start from scratch. They have to build this, and that kind of develops the hustle. And um, many of us, it sounds like when you went through the experience of seeing your dad overcome like a medical problem that put his life and at risk. Then you start looking at your life and you start saying, hey, should I be sending out this cold email to this person? And in reality is like there's people who are risking their lives and you sending out a cold email to someone on LinkedIn, you have no downside. You're not really taking risks that put your life in jeopardy. Yes, to put it in perspective, right? Yeah. So to put, to put it in perspective. To your point, it was just exactly. It's like ask yourself, take a step back and ask yourself, you know, what, what am I going to do if I hear the word no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the answer to that question is you're going to keep going until you get your yes. Yeah. And that was my motto. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. So you chip off the old block, you're both hustlers, overcoming situations. You're growing. You are at Salesforce. And now uh, you've transitioned into new roles. What What are you currently doing? Like what brought you to where you're, what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's like I always wanted to continue to be growing, right? Continue to seek 
new opportunities to kind of increase my knowledge on something. I'm at a company now called Logly, where I'm an executive there working with our enterprise teams to kind of grow the business. And uh, for me, it's like what sparked that is just that was it was a product that I had no clue about, like log based management. I had no clue when it, when they said logs. I'm like, what logs? You know, what the hell are logs? Like a tree log? Uh, tree logs? What? Um, <laughs> I could sell that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that sounds pretty good. And, you know, for me, it's like once I took a look at the industry itself, so there was a few players that were out there. It was Splunk and Simo uh, Logic, I think, right? But that was a good opportunity, I thought, to basically, like everyone else here in the city, get in with the company pretty early on. And hopefully, you know, they become that unicorn in which you can cash in and, you know, sit, sit on a yacht for the rest of your life in the perfect world, right? And you, you guys just raised around recently too, right? We so- just raised around. We just got 11 million. So that's uh, really, really promising mm-hmm. for us trying to do some really innovative stuff, build out our platform, just continue to be customer focused, right? So focusing on your clients and really listen to what they need to be successful and build around that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and as a salesman, you know, Something we didn't talk about as much as like about the book of business and like, you know, us knowing you as your friend, like we know you've built this crazy network out here. Like, how did you do that? You moved out here not knowing anybody. And now, I mean, people call you the mayor. <laughs> that's that's what someone introduced you. I remember the first time I met you, I was meeting the mayor of San Francisco. <laughs> so for me, it started at Salesforce, right? So I walked in the doors and I didn't see anyone look like me, a young African-American male in a huge tech organization like Salesforce, right? And what you find is it's not necessarily about race. It's just about being able to realize or, or have a support system to be able to see. That's very, very important, I think, in this space that I, I think is a major challenge for a lot of people that are out here. Diversity, obviously, is a very hot button topic, right? So, Or other people that had challenges with their families. Or their families, a- absolutely. I had no family here. And so for me, it's just like, I wanted someone or to be around a group of people that can understand the challenges that I currently face. You know, that when I walk through that door and I'm on a team, I'm on a floor of 160 sales per people and I'm the only African-American male, you can understand, you know, how that might be a little discouraging at times, right? It's like asking yourself, do I belong here? You know, should I be here? So I created this this platform called BPN. My goal was that, you know, I, I knew there were other people that looked like me in the city, but there wasn't a sense of community there. And for me, it was like, you know, how do I create a platform that helps unify and unite these individuals and where we can all kind of share the same struggle, the challenges, and basically empower each other. So I created a social platform called BPN. What does BPN stand for? It's uh, the Black Professionals Network. And we started about three years ago, and we've collaborated right now with, with some of the largest companies out here like Salesforce, Accenture, Uber, LinkedIn, Visa, Yahoo!, just to name a few, and what we do is we host events, charity networking events, where we essentially partner with a local organization that's you know either centered around tech. So we worked with Black Girls Code, we worked with Year Up, we've worked with Yes We Code. You know, so what we do is we provide value-based networking opportunities. So come out, network with individuals that are like-minded like you, diverse young professionals in the Bay Area. Meet you know people that you might not have been able to meet on your own. You're gonna basically be contributing any ticket sales that we sell. We give 100% of that back to the organizations uh, that we're partnering with and just come out and have a good time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Timor Arthur and I have, have attended some of these events. And you know, something that I think that's a little bit different about what you do, which I think is important to talk about, is like 
your events don't just talk about the issues that are going on in tech. Are you actually highlighting people that are doing amazing things in the world or in the tech world period that happen to also be minorities? I think it's important that it's just like complaining about a problem or celebrating a problem. And I, uh, that's, a, that's a very good point. It's like, what bigger inspiration do you have if you see someone that, again, that shares your, your same struggle, but they, they've, they've started a new business. They have an entrepreneurial spirit and they're finding success. So instead of, you know, just sitting up there and talking about it, bring these individuals in to inspire, you know, hey, look, if you have an idea, you have a business that you want to start, start it down, start hustling, you know, and what these events are meant to do when you walk away is leave you with a sense of inspiration, of value that you can take away from versus most networking events where you just get a business card, talk to someone for maybe five minutes and never talk to them again, you know? Oh, that's awesome. And the fact that you're kind of, you leverage Salesforce and you leveraged a lot of companies that you got exposure through networking to add value back to the community, that's super remarkable. And I've been to the events and I was fascinated by the speaker panel and kind of the issues that you guys discussed. It was real. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Ruben and I, we, we partnered on our number of events at this point. Real 10X, you know, Ruben, you know, has, we've been able to collaborate, meeting of the minds, you know, he's, you know, the connect, you know, <laughs> you know, Ruben is very well networked out here. So anytime that we had any idea, I would present it to Ruben and we, he would collaborate and he would just make it 20 times better. And so we've been successful. And, you That's know, awesome. Yeah, yeah we'll include a link to BPN and on, in our show notes. And cool. uh, you guys can check out the website and for the next upcoming events, just to give our listeners a little bit of a taste, kind of what kind of speakers have you guys had in the past? Yeah, in the past, we've had, you know, CEOs, typically CEOs and founders. We've had our most recent event. We've had uh, Van Jones, Jason Maiden, Charles Hudson. We've had the chief diversity officer currently now at, at Visa. I know I'm. Michael Siebel from yep. Y Combinator, Danielle, who's at Maven, CEO of Jopwell. I mean, the list goes on and list on. Goes on and and on. you also have a list, a database for these founders, for people to be able to interact and, and network and reach out to them too, Absolutely. which I think is very important. So we're building a, we're currently in the process of now is building a social platform. We've got a network of about 2,000 people right now. We've been approached by a few companies now. For example, Box.com reached out and they want to partner with BPN to kind of help with their diversity initiatives. And right now it's a really good spot kind of place to be in and hoping to help add as much value as possible. Uh, Charles, another question. So you mentioned that networking has been a huge part of your life and it helped you get jobs, it helped you build friendships. And that's how you know Arthur and I and Ruben. Uh, for our listeners, I know that a lot of people are intimidating of the word networking, of going out to a place, a room filled with like 100 individuals. What would you recommend they do to either use an icebreaker or introduce themselves? What piece of advice would you have for them? That can be very intimidating, right? If you're not a social person, walking into a room and sparking up a cold conversation. You know, for me, the best advice that I can say is find motivation in what you do, right? The thing is, why are you there to network? Like, what's your purpose? Are you there to find a new job? Or is there a particular person there that you know could provide an actual opportunity for you? Are you just generally interested in meeting new people? Go in there with a, a focus, you know, of why you're there to actually network or meet with these individuals. And that'll kind of help you with knowing how to actually break into it and start these conversations up, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what you're talking about is related to what you brought up before, which is like not necessarily coming into an event, trying to use someone, but just thinking about ways that you could add value to them. Absolutely. Like that's related to why you're there. 
And it's, it's also consistent with the quote where like, if you want advice, ask for money. And if you want money, ask for advice. So it's, it's actually <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty consistent. Yes, so. sir. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. So with that said, uh, we're going to move on to the lightning round. And Charles, the lightning round is basically um, when Arthur, Ruben, and I will ask you a series of questions, try to give us uh, short responses, but also include strategies, tactics, resources that you've used to either um, learn how to network, become a better sales manager, or break into sales, and just in general, like maybe apply to your life. So with that, Arthur, you want to take it over? Yeah. So this is a bit of a kind of out there question. So imagine if you were dropped in San Francisco again with uh, no connections, uh, you only had $100 and you wanted to get to the same point you're at now. What would, you, what would be some of the steps you would do? $100 and I want to get to the same steps or point yeah. that I am now. What would be the most impactful thing you, you think you would do to kick it off? The most impactful thing that I think that I could do right now is I would buy as many cases of water that I possibly could, <laughs> right? Nice. And I would stand on a very busy corner, right? And for me, it's like networking and meeting people. But hopefully, it's very hot in San Francisco. And I'm just going to start handing these bottles of waters out. And so hopefully, what that's going to do is spark conversation, which then, in my opinion, was grant access to opportunity, which then would help me, I think, at that point, you know, get Get to where I am today. Hopefully. Tell your story and tell uh, my story. And I mean, it's it's kind of like how we were when we first moved here. Like kind of like you bought a one way ticket, and instead of sending cold emails from our bedroom, we sent cold emails from coffee shops. There we go. And you notice people that you recognize, you walk into them. So absolutely. <laughs> and I love your example because you're adding value from the start. You're giving them something they want, and that's what I think everyone should approach networking yeah. in that way. And it's exactly. related to that pain, to that thirst. Yes, sir. Um, and, and so re- related to that, I mean, throughout the process, you, you talked a lot about your frustrations, family experiences that you went through. What, um, you, know, you and I talk about music a lot. What piece of music or video helped you get through this process? So to be honestly, one of them, it's a movie um, you guys might be familiar with, but it's uh, Wolf on Wall Street. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, you know, for me, it's like literally when he's sitting there, it just his hustle, 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 hustle. The man, you know, you may not agree with some of his tactics, or <laughs> but the man, you know, the beaten, it was just from the very beginning, just, you know, changing careers, making pivots, having to, you know, really get in the trenches, get dirty and do things sometimes that you, that you might not want to do, but they don't have to be bad, but things you may not feel like doing, but you just get to a certain point. So I think, you know, for me, if I were to highlight something, it would be Wolf on Wall Street was yeah. a big inspiration. Pick up the phone and start dialing. Pick up the phone and start <laughs> dialing. Start dialing. <laughs> Absolutely. That's very interesting. So um, another question is, let's take it back when you were still on the East Coast, you just got out of college and you're just thinking about your career. What is the one piece of advice you would want someone to know who's starting on this journey? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So what I would, you know, the best advice that I would say is like everybody's right now looking for the fastest career or most lucrative business to kind of get into, right? So, you know, how you would approach it, in my opinion, is Determine your skill set. You know, are you are you a salesman? Are you a hunter? Are you an innovator? Do you like building? Right. Really, just determine what your pick your position. You know, ask yourself what role do you really want to play within the tech ecosystem, and then from there, you know, I I think you really choose your industry. That's what's really going to drive your passion. What are you passionate about? Right. If you're working for a product or platform that you're not excited about, that doesn't excite you, that you're not interested in, trust me, you're you're going to be unhappy. Right. Then after you do that, you, you begin building your brand. Like your brand is everything. And, you know, for me, I, I think a lot of individuals don't invest in themselves enough to build that brand. So my thing is invest in yourself, kind of know what you want, 
and you know be a go-getter you know and you know the, the last piece of advice that i would say is have again is like you know ask yourself again what are you going to do if you hear the word no you know a lot of times there isn't a lot of success in any of your process if you're dealing with a lot of different companies looking for different things but just keep hustling until you get that yes that's awesome so uh this is a little bit another uh, one of those like out there questions so what is the uh, one thing that you fundamentally believed in that you changed your mind on after this process of breaking into sales job? That's a good question. Very good question. Fundamentally believed in. I And this could apply to either sales or networking or it could apply uh, just, to anything. Yeah, yeah. Anything. Well, if, you know, for me it's just like at this point, fundamentally it, it's not necessarily and then you've heard you've heard this a thousand times, but it's never been more true in this space. It's like it's not what you know. It's it's who you know, right? So your network is your net worth in my opinion. And so with that being said, I, I didn't put early on in my career, I didn't, you know, put a lot of time or effort into fostering relationships. I'm really taking time to get to know someone and what they're doing or building out a brand for myself that people could relate to or bringing value to the conversation, as you pointed out. But building out your network, I, you know, at this point, fundamentally is one of the, the largest, the biggest pieces of the pie that I think that I didn't know fundamentally previously. And now I know that's a major key. Very cool. Another question that I have for you is, as a sales manager or as a person who is actually doing a lot of the hiring, what would you say is that one thing that you look for in candidates who are applying for sales jobs at startups or at big companies? Yeah. So what they're looking for is hustle again. Are you going to pick up the phone and make 100 dials? What's going to be your goal? You know, if you're, it's a week left in the sales month and you're $10,000 away from your goal, your quota, what are you going to do? Are you putting in the extra hours? You know, are you just coming in work before anyone else? Are you leaving late anyone else? So I think work ethic is going to be the strongest thing, right? So having more activity. They, they went go-getters, hustlers, right? That's what it's all about. Closers, you know? Oh, man. And so I'm not sure if you had any online resources that you found useful to sales or any books that you read, but there's a lot of people that are interested in transitioning into these types of roles. So if there's anything that you can attribute to that was like a key I personally, I can't say that. I usually, for me, it's like I, that online resources are great. But for me, it's like really connecting with individuals that are in this space that it really helped me get to this point. Yeah. Asking for advice, asking for a coffee, sit down and talk about your process. How did you break into the, the tech industry? How do you refine your sales process? Um, so yeah, I, I would say for me, it's more like those connections or individuals that are in your life that could be mentors and yeah. kind of help you get to that next spot. Got it. Yeah. And on the topic of uh, networking and connecting with people, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Are so, you on any social media? Yeah, 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 for sure. So networking wise, I mean, I would love for, if you're interested in learning more about BPN, you can go to bpnbayarea.com, register and get in tune with any of our events that we have upcoming. As far as for me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Obviously, happy to connect. Always happy to share any pieces of advice or sit down and have coffee or lunch. Let me know. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us and we'll see you soon. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in. Let's break in.